You're listening to San Antonio Public Library's podcast, Tuned In. Today is Wednesday, August 22nd, 2018. This podcast is made possible by a generous donation from the San Antonio Public Library Foundation. Our sound engineer is Adolf Lopez. We're here today because we want to know what makes someone want to work in a library. What are the appealing factors? Also, how does one get the idea in their head that they want to be a librarian? With this in mind, we are interviewing one of our own staff, Romeo Rosales. But before we begin, we'd like to take a moment to tell our listeners about some upcoming events at the libraries across the city. The Latino Collection and Resource Center will celebrate its first year anniversary, Saturday, September 15th from 11 to 4. The Young Pegasus Poetry Competition will begin accepting poems September 15th, and it will run through December 15th. Learn quilling, make shrinky-dink art, and view the night sky through a telescope. These are just a few of the STEAM events offered. What's STEAM? STEAM stands for science, technology, engineering, arts, and mathematics. For these and other activities at the library, visit mysapple.org. That stands for My San Antonio Public Library. Returning now to our interview with Romeo. Joining me today are, sitting across the table from me, is Dan. Hi, Diana. Hi. Sitting right next to me on my right-hand side is Hondo. Hey, Dan. This is Hondo. Nice to be here. Sitting right next to me is Daniel. Hey, Hondo. Thanks for having me here. And Romeo is our guest of honor. Hello and good afternoon. Hey, Romeo. Yes. How's it going, brother? Doing pretty good. How you doing? Doing great. Doing great. So we were talking about what we wanted to do for today's episode and uh, we kind of bounced around the idea. We've, we've covered a lot of things related to the library, but one of the questions that we really haven't answered yet is what inspires somebody to want to work in a library? What, why would somebody want to become a librarian? And what does a librarian do? And what is this, you know, we want to know a little bit about the career. We want to uh, know a little bit about what it took to get there. Um, and maybe if we have some time, we'll talk about where it's going, where, you know, the future of libraries, the future of librarianship. It's a big topic, but we're kind of uh, hoping that you can help us uh, shed a little bit of light on that. I, I have the idea that people think that if you like reading, you want to be a librarian. Was that true in your case? Yes and no. I do enjoy reading. I've always enjoyed reading. For me, it was more about helping people. I say that um, I had a humble upbringing myself growing up on a border town. I grew up very poor. A lot of people around me grew up very poor, um, and they needed assistance. So when I would frequent my public library where I'm from in, in far Texas, um, I thought to myself, hey, I, I could be the change that these people need. I can assist them one day, um, whether it's finding a job, filling out an application, you know, giving them resources that they might not know about, you know, assisting them with research, all that good stuff. For me, reading was a part of it, but it wasn't the main reason why I wanted to become a librarian. I just always enjoyed helping people. It's interesting that that's, uh, that, that the idea of, of helping people, of being um, that assistance or that hand up that people need, uh, that that tracks out to being a librarian. Because I think, again, just to kind of build on what Diana had said, I think a lot of people have the misconception that librarian equals you sitting in a room all day long with a whole bunch of dusty old books, uh, reading all day Correct. in this absolutely quiet environment where the single little sound, regardless of what, it, what its source is, is, is automatically shut down with a shh. Yeah. You and, know? I, and I think that might have been the case for libraries 
back in the day, if you, if, for lack of a better word. Um, but nowadays, a lot of people don't realize that librarians are more than just individuals who love to read. Um, I've read a lot of countless articles that talk about uh, librarians being, you know, somewhat like social workers. A lot of times, even though we're not trained in legal advice, people come in with some very detailed questions and we, we try and at least, you know, point them in the right direction. Um, sometimes you're just a shoulder for people to legitimately cry on. I've had people pull me off to the side and just, you know, they want to vent about things. And, and of course, tying back to the books, of course, people come in, whether it's reader's advisory or something, they want to know, hey, um, what book do you recommend? You know, I love fiction. I love this kind of, I love sci-fi. What would you recommend? But a big part of our day, um, I think you all can agree, is um, assisting patrons with questions that are outside of, of just books, which is, uh, you know, typical computer questions, you know, with the advancements of technology, right, people right. need to keep up and it's up to us to to assist them and, and, and allow them to progress that way. There is definitely a section of the community, of the population uh, that we serve, uh, whom the advancement of technology has left behind. Correct. And so I guess what you're saying is that we sort of mediate that gap uh, for people that may not necessarily be well-versed in using the computer or not very well um, accustomed to uh, pretty much every social service now has a component of it that has to do with the computer. I mean, you have to go on online to fill out an application for this social service or that social service or to receive benefits or to do just about everything. And I think a lot of people that the library uh, that we encounter um, don't know how to do that because they've never had to do it before. Exactly. And there is a digital divide like you're talking about. And what people don't seem to realize is that a public library is a resource for those individuals who don't have a PC at home, don't have a laptop or anything like that. They come in, they utilize our um, personal computers so that they can log in, like you said, and then um, apply for a job, whether it's for assistance. They need um, Maybe it's just general research, but they rely on us, uh, not just central location, all the branches across the city, they rely on us to provide them that access because they may not have it at home. Sure. And I think, too, that um, at least for me, I used the library at school, never really knowing that that was considered an academic library, not knowing that there's such a thing as a public library that serves the community, that's really fun, has events to go to and attend and participate in. Correct, and that's the beauty of libraries, right, that everything's free. So when we have programs and stuff, we, we wouldn't ask anybody to, to, you know, to pay money for a program. Um, I, I, of course, the library takes donations, but that, that's on, you know, if people want to donate themselves, that's up to them. But um, the beauty of it is free. And like I mentioned, for me growing up was attending the library with my mother and my two sisters while my father was at work. Um, and just being an outlet for me and my sisters, we didn't have money coming in. We had nothing else to do other than attend public programming. So for, for me, that was a lifeline. Um, and I've always been appreciative of that. So I had a similar experience having grown up again, well, like, like you in a working class family mm-hmm. where the idea of going out somewhere had to be going out and doing something that didn't involve money. And so the library was kind of always that destination, the sort of like the surefire. Hey, mom, can we go to the mall? No, we, we can't go. Yeah. Hey, mom, can we go, you know, to the movies? No, we can't go. Can we go to the library? Sure, let's go. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's everybody get in the car and off we went, you know. And the great thing is I can still picture the public library. I, I ended up becoming the head librarian there, which is oh, nice. serendipitous. So, but I can still picture the way it was when I was a child. And I can still remember walking into that romance section, it being kind of taboo. My mother was out there looking for books. <laughs> you had all those cheesy little covers and stuff, which, hey, that's a, it's, a, it's a great, uh, you know, the romance industry is super popular. But sure. I, ne- ne- excuse me, but never no. apologize for what you read, right? <laughs> exactly. Never. 
But I can still remember going in there and thinking like, maybe I shouldn't be in this section and, and <laughs> just enjoying myself inside the confines of the library because um, the library does act as a safe haven and commons for a lot of individuals who don't have anywhere else to go. And my thought process behind it all is I'd rather have somebody indoors um, as opposed to possibly, uh, you know, doing something they're not supposed to be doing out in the streets. So. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think um, we, we definitely see that here at the Central Library uh, with our teen population. Correct. I think the, the teen uh, services area definitely provides a refuge for kids who might otherwise not have a destination. Um, and unfortunately, that doesn't always lead to, you know, being a delinquent, but you know, when you're bored and you have nothing better to do, when I was a kid, that equaled being a delinquent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I know what you mean, definitely. Um, I try to give people the benefit of the doubt regardless. I don't, I don't judge them based on their parents or their age or anything like that. But um, I know as a kid growing up and I would uh, go into the library with my friends and, and for them, the library was not a cool place. But sec- I mean, I acted like it wasn't cool, but secretly I always thought it was a, like, the coolest place for me. But um, of and, course I wanted to fit in. So. And how, how quiet was the library then? Wait, and how quiet was it then that you remember about it? And how compared to what libraries are the ones that you work at now? It was very quiet. So this was uh, probably about 1989, 1990. Um, it was very quiet. And we did have shushing librarians. Yep. I mean, if you got out of hand, it was it was quick. You know, they they let you know about it real quick. And uh, I don't recall whether they had a policy of actually tossing people out um, <laughs> for being disruptive, but I do remember the librarians, and and it was the stereotypical librarian for us. You know, the the, the much older lady with, um, you know, who just went around and shushing everybody, right. and just you know the way Hollywood portrays them. But um, it, it was still a great experience regardless. I, I enjoyed the the peace and quiet. You know, on that, uh, just as you're talking about the libraries that you went to, of course, I can't stop uh, help but thinking of my own. Anyway, this is Hondo here. What I, what I was thinking about is uh, early days of Bazan Library. So my mom is a retired children's librarian. And just thinking about being at Bazan, maybe in the summer, reading monster books there, books about monster movies, Tintin books, Tintin books in Espanol, depends on what they had. And... Uh, and just, you know, reading for hours. And at almost every school library I was at, I was almost always the last one to leave because I was there until the library shut down. Uh, I was there before until the library closed at, uh, in the afternoon. And for me, just, you know, even reading the encyclopedias was fun. And uh, so I was also thinking about that, books that I reread. So rereading Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, rereading 2001. To me, great memories, so. Correct, yeah, for me, the ones I really got into were the Boxcar Children series. It's like a hundred thousand of those. Yeah, <laughs> um, I enjoyed the Hardy Boys as well. Um, but for me, it was uh, we used to do the accelerator reader in school, and so the way for my buddies and I to kind of cheat the system is we'd read the Sweet Valley High series books because <laughs> I still remember they were worth four points. You could knock them out wow. in a day. So we'd read them, um, and then we'd kind of trade answers. Like one friend read one, I read another. <laughs> kind of trade answers. No, you cheated. Yes, yes. What? We, were, we cheated a little oh. bit. I won't lie. Oh. Um, and S.E. Hinton was uh, was great for me. The Outsiders, oh, Tex, yeah. Rumblefish. Yeah, uh, those were all great books. But uh, yeah, I reminisce about those days too. And I, and I, I do reread those often. Um, well, we um, wanted to talk to you about those accelerated reader points. Um, they've come up to catch up with you. So <laughs> sorry about that, man. They, they weren't those, valid. Yeah. <laughs> so how did you figure out what it took to get the education for librarianship? You know, it's a good question. Um, I can remember my elementary librarian being influential. I remember, you know, I was being in the library and seeing her, and she was she had an influence on me and my one of my other friends. And I thought to myself, hey, this is something I'd like to do. And, of course, as naive as I was, I thought, oh, it doesn't require a lot of education, right? I could do that. Um, 
It wasn't until, believe it or not, until I started working in a public library after I had received my, uh, my associate's degree that I realized there's such a thing as library science, um, where you can actually go to a graduate program and get a master's degree in library science. Um, so yeah, it wasn't until I actually worked in the field that, that I realized that it required quite a, a bit of education. So what did you, you, you said you worked at a library prior to becoming a librarian. What, in what capacity? What were you doing uh, at the library? Sure. So my first um, library gig was I was a part-time reference assistant. That was our title okay. um, at the library I worked at. So there were two floors. The top floor was the reference floor, which is known to be the, the quiet floor, mm-hmm. which is not always so quiet. <laughs> um, so I, I just assisted individuals on the computers, answering questions, uh, doing general readers advisory, we did have an archives as well, so oh, I nice. assisted with that, um, just indexing things, cataloging things, all that good stuff. Eventually, I moved up to, to a full-time reference assistant position, and then after that is when um, when I obtained my, my, my MLS is when I became the, I had two titles, a reference librarian and supervisor. So you got an opportunity to ex- kind of explore the career before you decided, this is what I want to do, this is, I like, I like this. Correct, because like I mentioned, I, I started after I got my associates, so then eventually I got my bachelor's degree in history, and I thought to myself, like, what, do I really want to teach? What do I want to do, you know? Yeah. Um, and I thought, hey, this is perfect for me. I've always thought about this since I was a child. I'm going to go into this, so, so I ended up attending library school in Denton. Cool. And what did you like about history? For history for me, um, where I'm from, the deep South Texas, the Rio Grande Valley, it's a very uh, marginalized community, I'd like to say, but very historical. Um, and I just always had a deep fascination. My f- grandfather used to sit around and read stories to me and tell me stories about World War II and his brothers in World War II. And for me, it's just been a deep fascination since I was a, a kid. So um, I decided to pursue an associate's in history and then a bachelor's in history. And even though I had a passion for it, I, I felt like I had a calling for librarianship, I really wanted to help people, um, and I wanted to be that, like I mentioned earlier, that that change for them, that positive change. And there were times where people would come up to me um, at, at the grocery store and be like, "Hey, you remember me? You know, you helped me get a job, and I'm so appreciative." <laughs> and those are, you know, memories, and uh, you can't replace. It's just, it's an awesome feeling to know you helped somebody secure something like that. So, yeah, no, I mean, that's that's amazing that you're able to make that connection. Um, you know, either one person at a time or the community at the time, and they remember that, they acknowledge that. That also stick with them, I imagine. Yeah, it did. Um, it was always a little weird, though, because they'd see me at a convenience store, and, and uh, I was out of uniform. Um, I used to have to wear a suit and tie, and I have a lot of tattoos. <laughs> so they'd kind of look at me like, is that the librarian? I can't tell. He doesn't look like him. And uh, I'd get a tap on my shoulder, and they'd ask me, like, hey, you know, are you that guy? And um, I, I might not have remembered them, to be honest, because we assist so many people, but they, I definitely made an impression if I assisted them getting a job or uh, securing some sort of application or something. They, they remembered me, which is always great. made me feel like um, what I was doing was definitely worth something. So, uh, Side note, I got, uh, Romeo, I got to know, did you do suit and tie even during the summer? Yes. Oh, my oh, God. So, and I'm not afraid to talk about this. So the city manager at the time used to say, if you want to be a supervisor and get paid like a supervisor, you're going to dress like one. And I thought to myself, geez, I'm not making the kind of money you're making to buy tailored suits. And, <laughs> you know, we put up an argument. We talked about how at the library, you know, because I used to shelve books even as a supervisor. I would shelve books in the nonfiction area. Um, and it was very difficult to wear tucked in shirts for the suit. And yeah, we oh, were allowed yeah. to take off our coat, but I mean, there I am on the floor in my nice slacks and shoes, and I grew quite tired of it. So. <laughs> <laughs> Is that what motivated you to move to San Antonio? It did. 
Nice. Yes. Um, I, I was looking. My wife would always tell me that you're, you're, you're too big for this town. Um, I, I'm very critical of, of my performance. It's just uh, very hard on myself, and I never thought I could be anything more than what I was at the time. But I decided to take a stab in the dark, and, and I put out applications. And, and I had interviewed for quite a few positions, and I came to Sapo. And I remember I drove my father three and a half hours to and from the same day. And I remember telling my dad when I got in the car after the interview, you know what, I got that job. Nice. He's like, they told you? I said, no, I just know I got it. And sure enough, about a week later, I got the call. So, Great. So you, And so now you've been a librarian for how many years? So a, li- a professional librarian, which is somebody with a master's degree yeah. for five years. Okay. Um, okay. And I've worked in public libraries already uh, about nine years now. So you've been, you've been in the game yeah. for, for a good while. About, how, about how, a decade. How have you... It's changed. Oh yeah. You think? I do. How how I'm trying to form the question here in a way that it's going to make sense. In what ways do you think it's changed for the better and in which which ways do you think maybe it's changed for the worse? As far as changes in the library for the positive, I just feel like the role of the librarian has been um, defined in so many ways and there are a lot of common misconceptions about libraries and librarians, but I feel like the job that we all do, and I don't mean just librarians, I mean everybody that works in the library, um, since the roles change drastically, I feel like it's it, it just in a way to help people better. Um, I don't want to say that librarians of the past didn't assist individuals a certain way, but I feel like now there's more uh, attention that's being paid to these individuals, especially like we mentioned, we were talking about the digital divide is there, they need, you know, uh, a little bit more attention, they need, they need that, that assistance that, you know, at some point maybe... Um, librarians not that they didn't want to provide but maybe didn't necessarily need to so much um and as far as for the you know anything negative i I really don't think there's anything negative about things that have changed i mean i just feel like we have to keep up with the times um and to stay relevant we have to keep progressing um and do things uh, to ensure that the community is being serviced and and, you know we're not falling behind can can i interrupt a little bit here of course um how is it that you see your own kids using the library compared to how you used it well, I can tell you when, when my son comes into the library, he, um, he's quite savvy. He's five years old, and he, you know, we have a self-checkout system here. He loves to do it on his own. Um, at the branch I'm currently employed at, we have uh, covers for the DVDs, and he already knows. I check it out. I take it to the front, and they're going to remove it for me. Uh, quite different. He's not timid. I was very timid growing up. I'd rely on my mother to ask those questions for, for me, um, but he's not afraid to. Hey, Romeo, that was interesting when you're telling Dan about that. Now, when you're saying in the past when librarians didn't need to, mm-hmm. are you talking about pre-internet? Yeah, that's, okay, okay. that's what I mean. Yeah, just to clarify, correct. Not that they didn't need to. Of course, research was different. Research, uh, like yeah. a, modern research is much different now, right? It's, it's mostly just online, like we mentioned. Um, but yeah, it would be pre-internet. Um, I feel like it was general reference more than anything. We would do you know, cross-referencing, all that good stuff. Um, and now it's, it's mostly just computers. You yeah. need tech, technical help, so... Yeah, could you imagine if in the 1890s to apply to work someplace, it was like a, you have to use this old-timey steampunk adding machine in order to <laughs> apply for this. But, yeah, I mean, so the, so I guess you run into all the time, I think we all run into all the time, uh, the learning curve to do an entry-level application for somebody. Yeah, correct. Um, sometimes we take it for granted. For, for us, it might come natural, like, oh, you log in, you know, you apply for something. It's quick. It's easy. But we don't consider all the time how difficult it might be for an individual who's not as tech savvy. Um, and that's something that we always have to be mindful of that, you know, just because we understand it. And for us, it comes easy. It may not come so easy for other people. 
Um, so we have to have patience, which is, uh, you know, at the branch I work at, we definitely have to have a lot of patience, but it's, it's, it's something I enjoy. Um, yeah, sometimes patrons, you know, they're, they're, they can be a little rough, sure, as I like to yeah. say, but that's okay. That's okay. I understand maybe, maybe their day wasn't so good, or maybe um, they have something going on in their life that just, you know, allowed them to come in that day and not be so happy. So Right. And the magical thing is that you then have the opportunity to kind of make that better for them. Correct. Like they come in there because they have to fill out this paperwork that they've never had to fill out before. And it's not actually paperwork. It's something that they have to do on a computer. They've, they've never used a computer before, and your mediation, your guidance in that allows them to accomplish that. And suddenly you've changed somebody who came in just really upset and really desperate into somebody who is very relieved and very appreciative of what you've done for them. Yeah, a lot of people have walked out, and just not only me, but thanked the staff for their assistance. You know, yeah. they had a bad day, and they said, you know what, y'all did a great job for me today, and I appreciate it. And, you know, maybe they, they didn't leave... Um, extremely happy but i guarantee they left satisfied with the, with the service that we provided so now you used to work at the pan am branch library correct second, the pan american i heard a rumor that there was a lady who used to bring tamales oh I'd, oh yes you know and a sad story about <laughs> oh, that actually no don't yeah. oh, wait a minute let me tell you a quick story it's very sad we we all all the staff became very close with, with that patron mm -hmm. um I, you know, of course, I won't mention her name, but she was a very, very nice lady. She would come in during our Christmas parties and bring us tamales and, um, you know, different cookies and stuff. Well, one day uh, she wanted to book a flight to Ohio to see her son. So myself and another uh, staff member assisted her with that. And um, we booked her the flight. She was very appreciative. Mm -hmm. She went to Ohio to visit her son. And we found out that in Ohio on the road, she was involved in a car crash oh, and passed no. away. Wow. Yeah. And we... We felt a little conflicted. We did our job. We assisted her. Sure. But then we also felt like, wow, like we, we not that we had anything to do with, with the right. tragic no, accidents, no. But, but but just that we assisted her to get to Ohio. Sure, right. It well, was, but I mean, yeah, that, that's a... That's, uh, it was tough. That's, yeah, yeah, I understand that. But yeah, she was very nice. She would take us tamales <laughs> and they were pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting though, because, so we've been talking and we've been saying uh, kind of how we... Uh, touch other people's lives, people in the community. We, you know, provide the service. We do things for them, but there's also the exchange. And the, we meet people along the way who kind of give back to the library, who through their appreciation for what we've done for them, they, they have an impact on our lives. And I think that story kind of put, you know, that's that's the, the, the takeaway part of that story is that you had somebody there that was, you know, that made an impact on, on you and your coworkers' lives. Of course. I, I go home and I talk to my family about, uh, you know, all patrons, of course. And mm -hmm. I don't say I talk bad about them. I just, you sure. know, a lot of them have impacted my life in a lot of ways. They've made me learn a lot in my 10 years of public library experience. And um, if it weren't for them, I might not have been as um, good a librarian as I, as I, I think I am. So, right. um, but th there have been a lot of individuals who, who have changed uh, my life. Was it a surprise for you to learn uh, when, when you worked working at the library that there's so many things that go on behind the scenes to make the library run? Oh, yeah, of course, uh, especially coming to a system like San Antonio Public Library. It's a very large system. I was not used to anything like this. I worked at a library that was just one library, no branches. Um, and it definitely was eye-opening experience for me um, to learn everything that goes on behind the scenes, like you, like you mentioned, um, from, from routes to deliveries to the processes of, of, of pulling uh, lists and um, you know, holds that people have placed on items. Um, you know, taking cash, you know, at the register. Um, I've never, I never dealt with money at the library I came from. I strictly reference. I never had to handle cash. And for at the branch, we have to, uh, you know, to take fines and, and people pay for prints and all that good stuff. And it's just, um, it's been amazing to see how 
it all comes together. It just comes full circle. And to see that this system functions the way it does with, you know, 29 locations, it's, it, it's awesome. I want to thank you very much, not just for sitting with us and answering our questions, but for being a part of the podcast. It's been, uh, it's been great having you along. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you all for accepting me. I know, uh, I think I mentioned y'all before, y'all had built rapport with each other. Um, and y'all gave me an opportunity to come in and sit with you guys and have some fun. And we, we definitely had fun. But not only that, we uh, we put out some couple podcasts that I think were not only informative, but just very fun. Um, and I think that's something the community can appreciate. So uh, I definitely appreciate the opportunity here. And I, I hope in the future to be invited back for, uh, for an episode. Anytime. Reunion. Anytime. <laughs> Hey, thanks for listening and get connected on mysapple.org with Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, Snapchat, Pinterest, Flickr, Instagram, and follow tuned in on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play Music.